If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Blog Talk Radio. Man, what are we, a team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're, we're a time bomb. What's up, everybody? Happy Sunday morning, and uh, welcome back. Uh, this is Punch Drunk Chris. We've been taking a couple weeks off here, uh, just a couple things getting in the way, but we're back and better than ever, I might say. I, it's not really like a better than ever situation because it was just the fact of life getting in the way, so we need to take a couple weeks back. But we're back, and we'll be trying to make sure we get back with you guys every single week without fail, so no more of these breaks in the future. But today, we come back to a packed show, and that's not even because we're playing catch-up. We actually have three vastly different movies to talk about today. Uh, Darren Aronofsky's biblical epic uh, is on the slate, and then we switch gears and go to Arnold Schwarzenegger returning to history in Sabotage, DEA agent team. Um situation. We'll get into more of that later. But um and then lastly we have Bad Words, uh starring Jason Bateman, everybody's favorite funny guy as of late. Uh in his director directorial debut. You see I take a couple weeks off and I can't talk when I come back. Um so we'll be talking about that as well. Um uh, gonna have a small, shorter staff show today. Uh, just Rocky will be joining us I'm pretty sure. Maybe Travis will call in. Uh, but we'll talk about all of that and then the other big news this week, um Next week is really, really big because Game of Thrones starts again. But this week, um, I swear that AMC and HBO are looking out for my best interest when they are having the Walking Dead season lead right to the end of Game of Thrones. So my Sunday nights are never boring between October and around June or July. Um, you know, we do our weekly Walking Dead uh, – oh, the finale tonight for Walking Dead is the whole reason I started saying that. I should probably finish that uh, and let you know all of the details. But we, we usually do our, our weekly Walking Dead wrap-ups, and if you guys visit PunchDrunkCritics.com with any regularity, you'll notice that we didn't do them in the last two weeks. And to be honest, I, you know, I'm always kind of the, the fanboy supporter of the series, and then Rocky gives kind of the realist take on the series. Um, and these last couple of episodes, I find a reason to, to be in them. Uh, I've become kind of disillusioned with the show, but uh, we'll see where it goes from there when we talk about what's been going on there what to expect in the finale. Um, Rocky, welcome. Yes. Back. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> So we got, I was just telling everybody, we had Noah, Sabotage, Bad Words. We got Walking Dead, Game of Thrones mm-hmm. next week, but I don't even, we, we, we might not even get to talking anything about Game of Thrones this week and just save that for a, uh explosion next week. Um, yeah, that but, could, that could be possible. Um, because I feel like I really want to rewatch season three. So maybe I'll yeah. do that over this week, and then we can be, like, totally nerded out next Sunday. I am like, all I for be, that. 
Yeah, I could be down with that. Because, you know, Game of Thrones hasn't, like, ruined everything yet, unlike Walking Dead, which has been so bad. So, so bad. We might talk about... Do you want to start talking about that now? How would you like to flow into this? No, that, I mean, we might as well. I mean, I was just yeah. telling everybody how, how I was always kind of the fanboy supporter of the show, and, and you gave yeah. more of a realist take on it. Uh, but even I had, had very little – and Julian's on the air now. What's up, Julian? What's going on? Yo, oh, yo, not yo, a whole yo. lot. Yeah. But um, let me, before we talk about Walking Dead, let me ask you a question. Uh, and Julian, you're a Game of Thrones fan too, right? I enjoy that show. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, let, let me ask to both you guys then. I don't know if this speaks to my the level of my fanaticism about the show or not, but have you guys ever rewatched old seasons or episodes? Yeah, of course. Are you kidding? No. Yeah, I, the thing is, yeah. I, rewatching any Game of Thrones, like I've tried to rewatch yeah. old seasons. It's just, I don't know if it's because of the impact of not knowing what's going to happen, or even though I kind of know, like not seeing it play out. Like I just can't get into it when I rewatch them. Oh no, that's terrible. Are so you rewatching them fan. like out of order? Like how are you? Yeah, like, like how are you choosing what to rewatch? Out of order, pretty much. Um, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, I guess I guess that's that's where it lies. I mean, I, I actually tried to go back and and watch from season one, and that that pilot episode, man, is just it's amazing, but it's so depressing to watch it again because <laughs> you see all yeah. these people and you're like, you don't make it. <laughs> well, the thing the thing I think that's like really hard about rewatching Game of Thrones in general is, is exactly like it is largely like a really depressing show. So while, you're re- so while you're rewatching it, you're just like, oh, Ned Stark. Yeah, you're going to die. Jory Castle, you're like trusted second in command. Jamie Lannister is going to stab eye. you in the eye and kill you. Like, oh, yeah. Bran, no, you're never going to walk again. I mean, it, it's hard to rewatch because like, you know, the kind of depressing shit that happens to them. And you know, yeah. that each season has something terrible. So like the first season, you know, you're building up to Ned Stark's death. The second season, you know, you're building up to Blackwater Bay. I mean, I can understand like it being difficult to rewatch, but at the same yeah. time, I feel like it's worth it because you know, this season is going to be such a game changer and, like, oh, yeah. just completely twist the storyline around. So I feel like if you're, like, waiting for that, like, come up in, then it might be a good idea to, like, remind you of all the terrible shit that's come before. Yes, yes. I, <laughs> up, my, until, my, up, up until season four kind of, like, pays some debts. Like, you know what I mean? So Yeah, the Lannisters do pay their debts. Let's put it that way. But um, Hey, man, yep. the Lannisters are not the only ones that pay their debts. Don't forget what Oberyn, don't forget what Red Viper says. Lannisters oh, no. aren't the only ones that pay their debts. That's true. So, there's one particular debt that I think everybody's been wanting to see paid, um, and I'll just stop it there. But my, my wife just point in the books, and she, she reads it during her lunch break at work, and she called me just to say, mm-hmm. oh, my God. I was like, <laughs> I was like that's right. Like, her relation was kind of disturbing awesome. at, at what happens. But, um, yeah, so Walking the, Dead. So is she on we, the third book then? Yeah. She's, she okay. just got through the Purple Wedding. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah, purple one, right? Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, yeah. Walking Dead. As I was saying, like we 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 used to do our our dutiful recaps, and then I just I you know not only does real life get in the way, but also you find yourself less compelled to make the time to write about something that's just like unbelievably broken at this point. And it's hard for me to even say that, but it really is. Like I, I can deal with the lack. They just need to watch Game of Thrones to understand how to pace stories. Like this whole yeah. thing where. You're giving episodes dedicated to two characters out of twelve. It, it, it not only like they might think that it lets you become more engrossed with those characters for that episode, but when you don't see them after three more episodes, you lose any of that kind of action. Not to mention it gets boring. 
Yeah, and and I think the thing that's hard, and and like I feel like The Walking Dead is like in a tough spot, and like I've talked about this, and Travis like always calls me a hater, but like ultimately, I mean we've gone over this numerous times. Like the comic is like extremely depressing, really yeah. nihilistic, like way more brutal than the show can ever be. So like of course things have to like change for the show, I guess, to be a show. Um, yeah. But I feel what you what you said is like so on point is that like at this point, it feels like they finally want to give us some character development, but they're doing it in such a like, like chopped off kind of like bizarre, fragmented way that it just doesn't seem to be like building to like a real narrative. And I feel like we're almost in the same sense where like everybody was on the farm for a really long time. It seems like everybody's on the road to Terminus, and, like, it's just not... It's just yeah, not... what the heck is Terminus? It's Terminus not is, is their new safe haven, like, um... It, I think Terminus is supposed to be Richmond, I think. It, I'm not see, sure, no, Terminus, I don't think... Go, go ahead, ahead, sorry, John. No, I was just saying, mm-hmm. we, we kind of got the cannibals uh, already in, in the people that uh, that they went out and, and wiped out, but I, I, I thought that's what that was, but it it looks like... Terminus is going to be expanded upon from uh, the. I, I don't think it's any spoiler to say that there's people like the ominous line of "Let's get you a plate and then we'll talk about it." Uh, yeah. You know, I, I think it's pretty obvious that Terminus is not a safe haven like everybody thinks. It is. It basically, Julian, they, they're finding on the road these um, signs that say "Those who survive go to Terminus" or something like that. Mm-hmm. So that's where everybody's headed uh, as like a safe haven. But it, it's almost insulting to think that these characters would be so trusting after what they just went through with Woodbury. Yeah. Sorry, I'm eating cereal. Just no, you're good. You're but, good. What, kind, what kind of cereal is it? So wait, um, they got wait, these cannibals? Yeah, they're cannibals. Wait, wait, they haven't said that yet, but yeah, that's that's what it's looking like. They're cannibals in the comics too, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they're, they're no, all, they are. Not at that point. Yeah, you know, no, it's, it's yeah, but Julian, point. but Julian, they've messed with the timeline so much at this point that you can't even like it. You can't even say like not at that point because they've because they've messed with the timeline. They I don't have. even understand why you would have cannibals in a world where undead people eat people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, well no, I mean, sh- to show the depravity, all. yeah, to show the depravity no, and, no like, fearfulness. No one knows how you got the disease, and all mm, you know is I understand that what you're saying. people randomly bite people. No. You you shouldn't eat people because then you're going to turn to, like... It if it's in the blood or, like, if it's in the skin yeah. or whatever, eating someone it would theoretically the make you get it. Yeah. yeah. But that's, yeah. But, that's, but that's another point, though, right? Is that, like, nothing about this, like, narrative has really been built in, like, a solid kind of way. So, like, I, I agree with you, John. I mean, like, I haven't written a recap for the past two weeks because I don't really know what there is to say. Like, what, like, what, like, what would we say? Like, Beth and Daryl might have weird sexual tension and then Beth gets kidnapped and then Daryl falls in with, like, the bad guy from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like yeah. it, just doesn't feel, it just doesn't feel like there's, like, enough to write about. And, like, yeah. in hindsight, I feel like some of the things that they've done have also been frustrating. Like, when we got, like, Michonne's nightmare sequence about, wow. like, her, like, I guess, lover or boyfriend and, like, their baby that died. There's part of me that's, like, right. But, like, everybody has had someone that died. So, like, what makes, like, Michonne's experience so much worse than anybody else's? Like, it's just it's just difficult to, like, find things that are positive. And the other thing that sucks, and we've talked about this, too, is that, like, Rick as a character is such a charisma suck. 
Like he yeah. is really like it is not. I think the fact that they didn't do the thing that they were supposed to do from the comic has really made him just like aimless. Because what happens to him in the comics like really drives him and like cements the need that like he should be a leader. Whereas like since they didn't do that in the TV show, I think he's just flailing. And I just, I, I I don't know, I've read a lot of fan theories about how, like, they should just kill off Rick and have Daryl be the main character. But, like, that clearly wouldn't work. I mean, that yeah. would completely change everything. So, I, I don't know. It, it, I don't it's tough know. to say. It just seems like they don't know how to handle situations. It, it seems like somebody's telling them what they, ha- what they should do, and then the writers just don't know how to handle it. Like, you mentioned the Beth and Daryl thing. I think that's a, the perfect example of why I just gave up on writing the recaps, because... Not only is it like like Daryl just gets weird sexual tension with with random people, and mm-hmm. I get that, you know, fine. But the thing is, it's so weird, and it so doesn't work, and like mm-hmm. nobody really realizes that, and they just keep going for it. But then even then, like you finally get to see as soon as you start to accept it and say, okay, well maybe I can see it. It's mm-hmm. like they're they're so quick to say, oh well, we're gonna pull it out from under them. Like I get that you need yeah. to have that that kind of sense of impending doom, but in a way, I think rather than having her get kidnapped by unnamed people, um, just having that anxiety of when's it going to happen is, is more yeah. powerful. Not, not to mention, you know, they make Daryl out to be this great guy who, who does everything for the people around him and all this stuff, but then... And now gets, he's, like, regressed immediately. Yeah. Yeah, like, like, like he's looking forward, he, he's giving up on life, and these people that are obviously bad, obviously bad, find him. He's like, all right, whatever, let's do it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, I agree. I don't. I don't think it works. And the other thing, and like we might have already devoted too much time to like the terribleness of Walking Dead already, but like the other thing that's really frustrating is like, like you said, like they build these relationships and then like ignore or dismantle them. Like, yeah. has have they forgotten that like Maggie and Beth are supposed to be sisters? Like has yeah. Maggie, like Maggie is so like intent on getting back to Glenn that there's no reminder of, like, oh, right, Beth is, like, her baby fucking sister, and their dad just got murdered. Like, like, aren't you, don't you care about trying to find Beth? Like, that's the thing that's the most frustrating about, like, Maggie and Glenn, is, like, they have just built them now as, like, the show's, like, tortured love story, and they're only defined by, like, how in love they are with each other. Whereas, like, in the comics, whatever, I'm going to go with the in the comics argument, Glenn is, like, really resourceful and, like, a really, like, key, like, member of their team in terms of, like, ranging and, like, gathering supplies and, like, being, like, a really, like, crafty resource. And in the same way, like, Maggie almost becomes similar to Andrea or the Andrea in the comics that they're, like, both really, like, steely badasses and, like, they're yeah. worthy of, like, what they contribute to the group. And and you don't have either of that. You don't have anything that either of them does that isn't in the show about, like, oh, I love Glenn or oh, I love Maggie. And that's a shortcoming too, like, because you have a character that's defined by only one trait as opposed to, like, anything else. So yeah. I, I don't know if they're going to, like, kill off one of them or, like, how they're going to... But, but it feels like they're building their love to be so epic only to, like crash it down like next season so well, yeah I, and it's, it's just like a classic know. case of that uh, why are you adapting something because it was it, because of its hyper popularity and then completely disregard the reason it became hyper popular just seems counterintuitive mm-hmm. and stupid but, but so that's listen, um but the thing doesn't this sound like everything i complain about when, when, when i get into arguments about all the movies that everybody wants to go see pretty much um, Kind of. Well, the thing, <laughs> well, the thing, but the thing that's really difficult about this, though, is, is two things. Like, one, that people fucking love it, so AMC is not going to get rid of it for a long time now. Like, it is still 
dominating and reading in, in an insane kind of way. And the other thing, too, is that, like, Kirkman is, like, mad involved. And mm-hmm. and I wonder, and what I wonder, especially in comparison with, like, how Grimm slash George R. R. Martin is involved with Game of Thrones, Kirkman almost seems to be, like, rewriting things that were already happening in the comic. Because he has talked about how he was okay with that thing that's supposed to happen to Rick not happening in the TV show. Like, he's yeah. talked mm-hmm. about that. And how he like he caught the vapors. It. He caught the vapors, Rocky. Yeah. So there's this part of me that's just like I. Uh, this is okay. This is going to become a very like grad school argument. I'm sorry. But one thing we talked about in grad school all the time is that like I was a literature gradster student. So we would talk about how like when an author writes a text, like is it within the author's responsibility to go back and change that, or does that text then like stand alone as something that was created in a specific amount of time and like it's not within your moral responsibility to like art or culture to go back and change that so I generally fall on the like you created it like you should defend it and not be able to like edit the fuck out of it once it's already been published so to George me George Lucas effect Yes. So to me, it's so bizarre that Kirkman is just like altering these things because I agree with you. It's like, you know, like it's working for the viewers, but I don't think most of the comic book readers are like understanding it or on board with it. And if Travis was here, he would argue with us. But but it's just it's just weird to me. And and of course, there's been like tons of backlash from like hardcore Game of Thrones people about how like the show has also changed things from the books. But yeah. ultimately, you know, like John and I, like we've read the books, like the tone is still the same like the major things are still the same they've combined characters because you can't take a like 1200 page book and turn it into like eight hours of tv and like cover everything but ultimately yeah. it feels like the affect of game of thrones is still there in the tv show where's yeah, the, the important stuff right yeah, yeah that's what makes like, sense that's but that's not the even that's the key that's right the but soul. not even but not even just the important stuff of like who's supposed to die and in like what order, but in terms the of themes, like right? uh, the themes and like the world building, like they've done a really good job, like building up Winterfell. They've done a really good job, like teaching you about like the insane familial pressure of the Lannisters. So like, I'm really excited to see what they do with season four and what they do with Dorne and what they'll eventually do with the Iron Islands. Like I'm excited because they've proven themselves. Yeah. Whereas like, I don't know where Walking Dead can go from here because they've like they veered enough off the comic books that I just wish that they would like do a clean break and do whatever they wanted, which is kind of the Travis argument that like they've changed enough. So like just like allow them to keep changing things. But I just wish they would either commit or not commit. So like, I I, I don't know. I don't know what the season finale is going to be, but like we'll have something on it tomorrow morning and I'm sure we'll briefly talk about it next week. So. Yeah, oh, yeah, I mean, I, the last thing I'll say about it is, I mean, your your comparison between Game of Thrones is, is on point. I mean, they the the difference. You're always going to offend source material fans when mm-hmm. they make anything. That's just that's mm-hmm. the hazard of the game. But um, they kept the theme and the major overarching stuff correct. So that's where the difference comes in. I mean, the writers of Walking Dead really seem at this point like everybody knows about the if Daryl dies we riot thing. But it seems mm-hmm. like that they look look at that and they're too scared to do what they need to do. Like they're, they're, they're yeah. They're being too scared to 
further the show. Not saying they need to kill Daryl, but they're too scared to further the show, which is keeping them from making a good show. And I think yeah. after this second half of this season, uh, even those TV fans, I think the only reason it's kept the audience is because it's become such an appointment television. And nowadays, mm-hmm. it's not just appointment television at the house. People get together and watch. It becomes an event on Sunday. Um, so I think it's harder to break the fans of that, but I think they're getting very close when you deliver such crappy episodes. But yeah. let's go on to the world of cinema. If we can, if I'm going to be classy and talk Let's about do it. it, yeah, um, super classy is is the uh, the biblical epic Noah, uh, directed by Darren Aronofsky, um, right. starring Russell Crowe, Emma Watson, right. Jennifer Connelly. Um, right. uh, I mean, I, I I think everybody knows the story. Um, God <laughs> or the Creator? I, I don't know where to start with this. I don't know where to start with it just because like, I, I know we usually don't like to get into the controversy and the political aspects of this, but I almost feel like We'd be remiss if we totally avoided it, no, just because. I, I, I think we, I think we have to. So if you wanna, if yeah. you wanna cover that while I eat some cereal. Yeah, go, yeah, definitely. So, I mean, the thing is, whenever <laughs> you make in in today's world, whenever you make something that is very much to one side of something, it, it's gonna get controversy. But what Aaron Aronofsky did was take a biblical story, which is, uh, you know, even if if you're not religious or anything like that, there's a lot of good like film fodder in those stories, even on that level. Um, but Aaron Aronofsky had some balls because he, um, he basically kind of tried to make it a middle-of-the-road type movie. And the thing is, the controversy is also unfounded. I mean, the, the religious side, uh, of which you know I, I'm a part, I would say, but just, like, I, I hate that we're all talking together. What? You're just funny. Keep going. Well, no, I, I just, I, I, I mean, I'm a part of that side, but I, I just hate yeah, that that um, the arguments that we well, make well, are like, just well, as... Here's the context, right? Is that, like, Aronofsky did not make a movie about, like, a benevolent, lovely, charming Noah, like, going out and gathering the animals and, like, bringing them back to the ark and, like, everybody being really happy and, like, God being, like, Good job. Like, it is not, like, it is not... He did not do a movie about, like, the the Noah story that like we tell ourselves as we're like, you know, chowing down on the couch or whatever. Like that's not, that's not what he was going to do. So, so from the very beginning, I think the religious side or the conservative side was like very hesitant about what he was going to do. And then it comes out that his Noah is going to be in the caught of like caught in the middle of like an existential religious and like nihilistic crisis about whether he's done what's correct or whether he's crazy and is God even real and does humanity even deserve to be saved and you know people people freaked out like people before they even saw the movie said that it was going to be like liberal propaganda so so yeah right. so, so there was controversy from the very beginning and like to be explicit it was because it seemed like people were hesitant about a Noah that would kind of be an asshole I mean, right? Absolutely. Like he would yeah, kind of be a dick. So from the from the the right side or the religious side of things, I'll say, um, and I meant right as the direction, not as in we're right. But um, uh-huh. it, it, nothing angers me more than you know, with all all the controversy that surrounds that entire situation in today's world, it doesn't help our cause at all for people to make ridiculous um, arguments about things, and then also for them to make arguments, you know, faith based arguments to people that aren't of faith. It's it's like it's like if if you never played video games, Rocky, and, and I threatened you with, oh, yeah, well, if you do this, you're not going to be able to play video games. It's just it's stupid. It's not thinking it through. But even more so because the, the simple fact is is that the Bible stories are, for the most part, just 
you know, stories. They're meant to teach. And to, to not be able to change those for, to, for consumption by mass audience, let's be honest, most mass audience wouldn't say, hey, why is this guy so happy when the entire world's about to die? You know, everything well, in, in the movie I thought was correct. Yeah. Even the fact that uh, – just one more thing I'll touch on before I stop this rant. Even, the thing that no, bothered me the most is people were freaking out that they don't use the word God the entire time. Like, well, they call yeah. him the creator. And, yeah. and to those same people that quote Bible verses all the time, I'd like them to, to refer to those same Bibles and see where the Bible itself refers to him as the creator the entire time. It's not taking anything away from it. If anything, right. I think there's a great message of faith in the movie. I mean, even that one scene that when uh, Russell Crowe goes up against, uh, what's his name, Toluca Kane or whatever it is, and, um, yeah. and he, says, he, he says, you should not have come alone. He's like, I didn't. I mean, there's such powerful faith-based messages in the movie that people are just, just – Discarding it and, and cheapening, really, because they're they, it's not the way they would have done it. Well, well, you know, it, it's what not I, always it has to be that way. Yeah, and 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 so like what I would say to like you know to like spread this back out and maybe like to give context for the movie, just in case there is someone on Earth that doesn't know anything about Noah, um, uh-huh. is is the sense too that like there's a difference between like having faith and being a person that like believes in something and like the organized religion movement. Like yeah. there's like a great difference there. So I feel like you can make a movie that is about faith and questioning it and having curiosity and it doesn't have to align with what like church XXX says. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like there's a difference between like like having your own personal sense of spirituality and like being part of like the organized religion machine. And and so I feel like you can't make the argument like this is a godless movie when there clearly are so many questions about like what he's going through and what he believes in. But anyway, that's like, that's getting into like serious detail. Let's like just give more context about like the movie overall, like, and how the plot deviates, I well, guess. Definitely. And, and I mean, I, I won't, I won't say anything at all about everything, but just the last, the Bible thing I'll point out to everybody is everybody that has a problem with him having these existential crises and questioning himself and questioning God and all this stuff. Like, isn't the entire Again, Bible I, I, about, like, questioning? Like, well, Jesus, Jesus, Christ, Jesus Christ himself, according to the Bible, spent 40 days in the desert prior to his crucifixion doing that exact thing, questioning God, question himself. That's where he's tempted by the devil seven times or something like that. And like, it, it, it's pretty plain in the Bible that people are obviously going to question that. It, there's no right-minded person that will never not question their faith. But the, it just cheapens everything in the movie to do that. Now, that being said, the movie is actually, if people gave it a chance and, and weren't so dogmatic about what's in it, it's actually a really powerful version of the story. I mean, it does deal with so many other things. I mean, I think you know, what most people know is God tells a guy that he's going to flood the entire earth for 40 days and 40 nights uh, to cleanse humanity of its, of its uh, sin or, or you know, wickedness or whatever you want to call it. Uh, so Noah builds a giant ark, and he gets two of every animal except for the dinosaurs onto the ark, and uh, then they sail away in the sunset. Um, and then it's all good. Wait, and they wait hold on. Wait. Is it dinosaurs in the movie? Huh? No, 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 no. I, I was joking. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was <laughs> Uh, you always yeah. see those funny cartoons where they show Noah like letting the snakes on. So I was like, dude, are you serious? <laughs> but um, yeah. yeah, so I mean, that's the, the crux of the story. But in, in what, what you get in the, the movie from the Bible story that I think a lot of people either don't know about or isn't in the story is that there are a lot of other people on Earth that are going to see uh, this guy bring building this big ass boat and not letting anybody else on board. Um, and we get we get that. Um, in the movie, and people that want to basically take over, and and then also the the problems Noah has in his own family with 
saying, hey, we got to roll and you got to leave everything behind. Um, so there's a lot of questioning, a lot of doubt, a lot of everything, but they keep it through. And what you get then is some of the most visually stunning recreations of, of a Bible epic that I've ever seen. Uh, you know, Aaron Aronofsky, who I think a lot of people credit as being a great filmmaker in the sense of like dialogue and, and things like that. But well, what he Aronofsky does visually is really, here is, he's really obsessive, like as a filmmaker, yeah. right? Like every single movie he has made has been about obsession. Like Pi is about like the obsessive sense of, again, of trying to find God through math right. and about the Jewish faith and like what is truth. And so, and so that's Pi. And then, they're Black Swan and The Wrestler, which are both about, like, the obsession with the body and, like, trying in The Wrestler to continue to do something that your body shouldn't be doing and how that's tied to your identity. And then Black Swan is the same way. Like, you want to be the best. Like, you want to be ambitious. Like, how do you punish your body to get there? Um, there's Requiem for a Dream, which is a movie that you should see once and then never see again. Yes. <laughs> it um, and, like, it's about drug addiction, and it's about, like, all the terrible things that you do to yourself, like, in this quest for euphoria and happiness. And then, you know, there's The Fountain, which is probably, like, his most, I mean, it bombed at the box office, but it's about, like, the nature of love and, like, is it timeless? And what would you do if you thought that you had true love to, like, span universes and continents and time to be able to reclaim that so like aronofsky is not a director that does anything in half measures and the fact that like he got a studio to give him like 130 million dollars to do this is is ridiculous in and of itself so you know so there was never any doubt that the movie was just going to be like balls to the wall like you you know that was never a question so it's it's helpful then that like Crow is giving like a really solid performance, even though he's kind of like waver. He's, I mean, Russell Crowe has done a lot of shit lately, you know. Like he's yeah. like he did Robin Hood, which was terrible. Winter's Tale was terrible. Like he's done a lot of garbage, but basically in this, he's like Gladiator 2.0, and he's yeah. doing that same kind of like steely resolve thing. Emma Watson is really good. I think that she's doing something that people wouldn't necessarily expect from her. She's like a good mix of like innocence. And, like, commitment to this. So, yeah. So, I mean, you're looking at a movie that is going to tell you about all the people that fucking died when Noah wouldn't put them on the ark. I mean, do you know what I mean? And you're having a movie about him questioning, like, you know, God told him that people don't deserve to live. Does that include his own family? So, so yeah. I mean, I, I didn't necessarily love it. Like, I thought that the second part kind of, like, goes off the rails when he's, like, doing his whole, like, am I crazy thing. But ultimately, like, ultimately, you know, I agree with you. Like, it's a movie about questioning, and ultimately it does have, like, somewhat of a faithful or at least, like, humanistic ending. So, I don't know. But people people gave it a C cinema score. People are not into it. So, I don't know if it's... I don't know if it's going to be successful or if it's going to do well internationally or kind of how they're hoping to get that budget back. But so far, people yeah. are not into it. So I just I just hope the score is based off what they actually thought of the movie and not preconceived notions going in. Because even, even the ending, which is where I think a lot of people will have issue, not how it ends, but what happens right before it ends. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, all of that really, to me, is just a testament to 
to faith and everything else. Like, like people are, are that people that think you're supposed to have blind faith are just stupid. You're, I mean, the the whole point of of faith is is to question everything and decide that that's where you're going to go afterwards. Um, and and nobody, no nobody, not like I said, not even Jesus in the Bible went through everything without questioning it at some point. Um, yeah. And you know, the fact that he's so resolved to do what he thinks he has to do. And mm-hmm. even then, still questions it. I think it speaks a lot to the deepness of this movie. So, I mean, visually, it's 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 awesome. Russell Crowe is up there with Morgan Freeman when it comes when it comes to voiceovers. I think, um, you know, oh, yeah. he, after Jor El and Absolutely. now his lines of Noah, you give him an epic line, mm-hmm. you're going to sell the trailer. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Emma Watson is so hot. Uh, Jennifer Connelly, you're I can't so believe worked. Gross. You're so gross. <laughs> I meant talented. I meant talented. I say hot. I meant talented. Did you? You um, meant intelligent. No, that's what yeah. you meant. Okay. Well, okay. well, well read. Um, and mm-hmm. Jennifer Connelly, who was also so talented and well read. <laughs> uh, I can't believe she worked with Aronofsky and after uh, Requiem for a Dream, but you know, whatever. I'm pretty sure that same scene wasn't going to get duplicated in this movie. Oh God, can we not? Do you know how many nightmares that movie gave me? Especially <laughs> that scene. That scene is oh, the God. worst. God, it's, it's so bad. So I don't know if nihilistic is the word, but it's definitely a movie that makes you think about, you know, getting a prescription for an antidepressant afterwards. I don't know about nihilistic because it doesn't really question like the meaning of life, but it's really hopeless. I yeah. mean, it's, it's it's the sense of like you're going to get caught in addiction and you're never going to get out. But yeah. um, but speaking of visuals, I'm surprised you didn't talk about the rock monsters. You don't want to talk about the rock monsters. Rock monsters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's. I Yo, mean, I have so many questions about this movie. Okay, so, so the thing questions. is, so, like, what Aronofsky does is that, like, he does include a lot of, like, magical, fantastic stuff. And I think that's is, what no, it's, like... Old Testament? Okay. So I think, like, I think it's, like, throwing a lot of people off because people are, like, dumb. But he has, like, magic in there, and he has, like, healing powers, and then he also has these rock monsters. And my heathen Muslim self knows nothing about this. So, John, can wait, you... Wait, 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 wait. So people are confused. They is rock well, monsters of the movie. It takes let, let, place within Genesis, in which plagues are raised down on Egypt. Yep. A flood magically happens, <laughs> and many other miracles that does not can only be explained within the pages of DC Comics. Wait, so here's the thing. To give you some the context, they're pushing people over the edge. They're just yeah. Well, I mean, and it's funny because the less, the the more fantastical approach to that uh, would actually have probably gone over better with audiences. And uh, oh, to give you some context, and the oh listeners, oh my god, it, absolutely, people would have been like, oh, this movie really believes in Christianity. Like, I agree. If it had yeah. been what, yeah, yeah. Well, Sorry, I mean, the wrong yeah, but the Old Testament has nothing to do with Christianity. It's okay. It's no, just it's angry it's God. Okay. Here, just let John just let John give you some context so, while I the rock, finish the last. The rock monsters are actually um, actually uh, fallen angels that are that are are brought to help Noah in his quest. For some reason, they take the form of giant rock monsters. I think if you had had like the okay. the, cla- the classic version of you know the you mean the Renaissance the light, style, yeah, well, I mean, like not even white, like, you don't white have to dudes in robes. Yeah. You know, I mean, they don't have to be white, but whatever. I mean, it doesn't matter. No, no, I'm just saying, going by, going by, no, no, yeah. oh, yeah. art, which is our right. image of, of you know, Judeo Christian, right? Yeah, you yeah, know, the, belief the system. It's era. like white dudes with like curly hair, and they yeah, got yeah, white dudes, curly hair, and blue eyes from uh, from the Middle East. That's that isn't how it is, really. Um, but yeah, it, exactly. If if they would have gone with something like that, I think it would have been more palatable for some people. As crazy as that might sound, but. Like, to just go with giant rock monsters just seems kind of weird. It makes it, like, Lord of the Rings-ish out of nowhere. Um, so awesome. I think that was, that was a weird – that was a weird – but, you know, I, I don't think – if you let that detract you from the movie, I think you're going into it preparing to be detracted from it. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, I I don't know. If there's too much more time we need to spend on it, but I, I think it's a better movie that people are giving it credit for on both sides. Really, I think both sides are kind of discounting it for reasons that it shouldn't be discounted, um, and they just kind of need to look past preconceived notions about anything and just enjoy it as a movie. Because um, really, just accept, just accept that Russell Crowe like wants to be a good actor again. Like, can't we be excited yeah. about that? Like, can't we just like be really happy that Russell Crowe wants to be like a real person? Like, I am. I'm, I'm excited about that. And Nick Nolte's in it, too, so... Well, Nick, Nick Nolte, he, he voices one of the I rock monsters. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This movie sounds better and better the more you tell me about it. <laughs> Frank Langella as well. What? The only, thing, the, only thing that really, the only thing that really like took me out of it is Douglas Booth's face. Because he's, like, way too pretty. And yeah. I, like... And I like can't take him seriously. It was the same thing about Romeo and Juliet, where I was like, "This is not working for me." Like, can you just go back to being a model and like stop pretending to act? Thanks. That would yeah, be great. There's a certain Thanks. kind of of attractive quality that that lends itself to this type of role. Like, I thought the same thing kind of about Emma Watson, even Jennifer Connelly, to a, a extent. Like, yeah. Russell Crowe can still be a handsome dude and look like he's been in the dirt. Like, in, in a lot of yeah. ways, that probably makes him more appealing to some people. But like, yeah. Emma Watson, like, it's they try to like her hair up a little bit, made a little bit uh, like dreadlocks. Like, they give her dreads, yeah, but otherwise yeah. she's like but fresh she has, and scrubbed. Yeah, she has a, a Zima face and, and you know everything yeah. else is nice and pretty and same with Jennifer Connelly. So yeah, there are weird aspects to it, but I think all in all, I think it, it's, it's, it's not quite getting the fair shake it deserves if it's treated as a movie in, a, in and of itself and not as a uh, sigil to carry for either side of the argument. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's that. Yeah. Um, you got you want to do sabotage or bad words next? Well, I haven't seen either of them, so you can go ahead. And I don't know if Ju- has Julian seen either of them. I don't think so, right? Julian has seen no movies in two <laughs> yeah. weeks. Or- yeah. Okay. Um, I saw I saw Caesar Chavez and I saw Ernest and Celestine, but I did not see bad words or sabotage. Did you see either of them? Do you want to talk about them? Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll do I'll do the, uh, the, oh the quick God. review of those two, and you can do the quick review of the other two, and we yeah, can cover it. Uh, yeah, so, sabotage is basically the, the the role that Arnold Schwarzenegger should have been taking when he first came back. Uh, I think that all of the actors were a bit confused by the Expendables Renaissance, um, thinking that you know, people wanted to see those type of movies. We didn't really. We just wanted to see that one like throwback movie, or you know, in its franchise, whatever sequels that give us everybody in one place that we can enjoy our 80s cheesy goodness and be done with it. But outside of that, you can see things like Escape Plan and The Last Stand and things like that. It doesn't really work. Uh, And none of these movies have really been successful outside of that. But in Sabotage, what you have is Arnold Schwarzenegger who plays Breacher. He's the leader of a uh, DEA squad that busts in a a drug cartel and gets $10 million uh, of their money. Um, Then that $10 million goes missing. It's kind of a mystery. And members of the team start showing up dead. And at first, they chalk it up to you know collateral damage. But then, when people start ending up dead, gutted and hung to a wall, and um, their entire house taken out by a train, and one, uh, they start to realize somebody sent in a message. And from there, it just goes into a really—I hate using this term because it's so overused—but a really gritty, um, good action movie with you know it, it's it's decent plot and decently acted and. It's it's action like it's not like action like in Commando where you, you kill the main guy with the steam pipe and say let off some steam. It's action like people like nowadays, and I think Schwarzenegger actually is able to recapture some of what made him an action star in this movie because 
he kind of changes from even his look. I mean, he's got tattoos and he's, he's got the shaved head. And he's all, he's all, or not shaved head, but he's got like the military cut going on. And he actually dresses in a way that doesn't make him look like a 70 year old man trying to do action movies. Like, he seems to come off. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, like Expendables he comes out, he's got his pants jacked up to his armpits. He looks really yeah. dorky. But in this movie, he recaptures some of what made him cool. And the action's great, the story's good, but the, the actors themselves actually do a great job. You know, Joe Manganiello from uh, True Blood's in it. Sam Worthington is almost unrecognizable. Um, and, and there's just a lot of good, fun isn't action. It the, uh, isn't it the, white, the girl from The Killing, or the woman from The Killing? And the wife from, in World War Z? Morel Enos, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. World War Z yeah. reminded me, but yeah, I, I never never watched The Killing. I'm actually meant to put that on good, the list. You don't but. need to. It's terrible. Don't do it. Not don't good. do it. Don't okay. do it. Don't do it. Uh, what the killing? The killing yeah. is boring. It's so bad. It's so so bad. Yep. It does have a catchy yeah. title though. It makes you want to see it. No, it doesn't. Uh, no, it does not. Come on. <laughs> well, I want to know who, who, who get killed or who does the killing. I, it's, 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 it has uh, great uh, posters. No, no. Seriously, who got killed? It's a TV show in the United States in the in 2000s. It's a girl. A girl gets killed. It's always it's a, a young girl, girl get that gets killed. Yeah. yeah. Come on. Come on. It's it's Twin Peaks without all the the bullshit. But yeah, and not, people say we haven't wait, changed the hey, hold on, wait, wait, wait. It's Twin Peaks without all the bullshit? Or, oh, right, because you don't like David Lynch. No, no, no. Don't call it yeah. Twin Peaks without all the bullshit. <laughs> it's terrible. But not it's being terrible. good either. It's, it's, it's even worse because it's just worse. It's just horrible. It's just horrible. Yeah, it's not, going no, to pit no. and die. No, it's not good. No, like the killing is awful. Like I'm not arguing that it's good. I'm just saying that Twin Peaks had promised before the second season turned into garbage. So, like, it clearly wants to be something like Twin Peaks, but, like, it doesn't have the same bizarreness. Like, it's just not... Whatever. We, we could, we, yeah, whatever. We so could, much, whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Okay, sorry. So, so, yeah, so, so Sabotage, yeah. Sabotage is, uh, is, a, is a good, <clears throat> poor action movie. Uh, it's something with an old star kind of remaking himself in, in the new world uh, that works. Uh, I, mean, I don't think we've really seen it work like this before with somebody from the 80s. So uh, Sabotage is definitely one I check out for fans of action. Uh, also, Bad Words, Jason Bateman's directorial debut. Um, you know, Jason Bateman, who is somebody that I don't think can really do any wrong, and yes, I'm including Teen Wolf, Teen Wolf 2 in this. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, he, he, uh, he, he's just universally loved. I, I can't think of anybody that doesn't like Jason Bateman. Um, and his directorial debut, he actually does a really good job behind the camera. Uh, and the movie is funny, but I know a lot of people are comparing it to like Bad Santa, just in the fact that you have a really solid anti-hero in the lead, somebody that you should not root for, but you still kind of find yourself laughing at. Um, and you know what? He does a, a, a great job of bringing laughs. It's just that they're not frequent or kind of um, – I wouldn't use gritty, man. But, like, like it, they're not as under par as, as most jokes like this should be. Um, and I just think it, it kind of left you wanting more. Uh, you know, his camera work was good. The jokes that were there were funny. I just – it didn't feel like they went far enough into it. Uh, so let's just hope his next – directorial movie that he acts in is a little bit more the Jason Bateman we know and a little less bad words. So that well, the is breakdown, that. The breakdown of that is that like he's like a grown-ass man that's competing in spelling bees for children, right? Yeah. Because of some loophole. So like he's inherently unlikable, but then doesn't he like craft a friendship with like a young Indian boy? Like does it go further yeah. than that? Or is it just about their like weird friendship? It's it, it's 
it's it's about their weird friendship mostly because like you know he's, he's just and he's just the kind of boy that you'd see in a spelling bee uh, and. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, Jason Bateman's guy, Trilby, is, is a 40 something that's just telling me. And instead of, like, acting like the kid with him, he kind of brings the kid into his world a little bit. It's just, it, you know, the bad Santa correlation is there. I mean, kind of like how, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, Billy Bob Thornton was with the little brown boy in that one. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it, I mean, th- there's a lot of sweet moments in the film, too. And I think that's where it gets its best parts, is in the, you know, actual drama or actual serious moments of the film. Because Jason, but that's the thing about Jason Bateman, is he's. His dry humor lends perfectly to being able to have really funny parts and really deep parts, like affecting parts in the same person, because you're always kind of rooting for him even when you're not. Um, so it, it does go deeper than just, you know, hey, I'm an old guy, the spelling bee. But it doesn't trend too much farther from that than uh, okay. than, than you'd think. Um, so, yeah, that's – I mean, there's really not too much to say about it other than that. So, okay. word up. Ernest Celestine. I, I saw this trailer, and I saw your post on Facebook where you said, yeah, yes, I cried. And I, I didn't even want to make fun of you for that because I watched the trailer, and I was like, I, I'm going to shed a tear if I watch this movie. Oh, I my really God. Am. Oh, my God, so much. Well, did either of you read the books? Because I didn't know that they were a series of children's books. Um, I did not know that. So there, I didn't there was hear what movie? What? Ernest and Celestine. It's like oh, a yeah. animated kids movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't Did see you see it, it Julian? Just... Okay. No, I didn't okay. see it. I don't okay. It. Okay. Well, it was like I guess it was like a Belgian like series of kids books. Um, uh-huh. and so it's about this like little mouse, uh, Celestine, and this bear Ernest, and they like become friends. And and so the movie kind of I guess is like the first. Um, like storyline in their like series of books so it does the world building which is basically like it's basically France um, and like the bears are like the human part of society like they live in like the earth that we like know and understand Um, and the mice live like underneath them in like their own world that they've created and the two groups like hate and fear each other like bears are freaked out by mice and mice are freaked out by bears but like they're linked together and i really and i really like this idea it's so bizarre they're linked together by the economy of teeth because like the mice the mice need their teeth to like live right because they're like their greatest tools um but eventually like their teeth fall out and they need replacements so all the mouse dentists have like internships where the young mice go up to the surface and act as like the tooth fairy and like steal young bear's teeth because they're the right size to replace in mice it's like a totally bizarre concept, but that's how like the worlds are connected. Yeah. So, so Celestine is like an orphan and she like grows up thinking that like bears can't be that bad. Like she just thinks that they can't be as bad as like everybody says they are. So she takes this internship and she goes up to the surface and she tries to take a tooth from a young bear, but like it all goes wrong. So then the next day, Ernest, um, who is like, who is a bear who's like kind of on the fringes of society. He's like a street music performer. Um, so he's like always uh-huh. in trouble with the law. But so he finds her like sleeping in this trash can and like they become friends. Like she helps him break into the candy store so that he can eat and he helps her break into like the tooth store, like the dental store so that she can like steal teeth. And then they eventually like have to go on the run together and like become friends. And it was just like, 
I gave it five out of five stars for my Chesapeake family review because it's like the most adorable, like precious children's movie I've seen in like a really long time. Like it's it's hand drawn animation, which we like never, ever see anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has, it has, like, a really beautiful, like, watercolor quality. Like, I don't know if either of you saw the Disney Winnie the Pooh movie that came out a few years ago. But it's, yeah. like, really... Yeah, it yeah, it's, like, really similar to that. And, like, it's short. It's only, like, 80 minutes long. It focuses on, like, this friendship between these two unlikely people. And it was just really, like, charming. And I really loved it. And I really appreciated... And, and we've talked about this a lot, too, is that, like... Since Shrek, it feels like every children's or family movie has jokes that are very specifically for adults and jokes that are very specifically for children, which is yeah. why you get like, which is why you get like fart jokes and like bath, like sex jokes in the same movie sometimes. Yeah. And this didn't have, like, any of that. Like, this was just, like, like a lot of, like, physical humor that, like, worked really well. But I, I really, like, appreciated that it was a story that was, like, free of, like, modern slang. Didn't have any, like, romantic subplots. Like, it didn't have any of that crap that we think children's movies need. It just was, like, this really beautiful story about, like, these two animals that became friends. I, I don't know. I, I, I loved it. And I cried just because it like it really like reminded me of the stories that we would like read as kids that were just about yeah. like friendships between people. And so so I, I re I like I like loved it in every way that you could like love a movie. Well see so, I mean something so. simple I think there's there's a bad trend against being simple or being just for kids or you yeah. know, thinking that it needs to have a sex joke in order to be enjoyable by everybody. Um yeah. You know, I'm so glad to hear that the movie was that good because I remember seeing the trailer and it just I was enthralled by it. At first, yeah. I, I'm I'm very specific with the animation I like. So at first I looked, I was like, oh man, this thing will look good. And I, as soon as I see three seconds of it, I realize that not only is it like you know Winnie the Pooh, like you mentioned, or something like that, mm-hmm. like hand drawn, but it's hand drawn in a way that makes those the the drawings, the illustrations in our children's books from when we were kids really come to life in a way that I've never seen mm-hmm. before. It's like it's drawn in the exact same style. Um, mm-hmm. And I am famous. I am, I am utterly famous for for uh, going too far into, you know, looking too far into what a movie is about or making mm-hmm. mountains out of molehills about the subject of a movie, as you'll probably see next week when we talk about Captain America. But mm-hmm. with Ernest and Celsius, even from the trailer, I can just see that, you know, it, it was it's such a a good commentary on just like racism or nationalism or whatever you want to yeah. call it in, in the yeah, world yeah. because it, it's simple for kids, but you, you easily see that, you know, children don't have that in them naturally. It's, it's taught to them by adults and parents who tell mm-hmm. you who to be scared of or who's bad. And mm-hmm. like, there's even that great scene in the trailer where they're, I think they're in a court or something like that. And they say, yeah. the lawyer's like, which of you kids is scared of this bear? And none of them raise their hand until they look at the p- teacher and then they all raise their hand. And it's, yeah. it, it's really good to hear that the movie was, was that, you know, full all around because I think it's the best yeah. thing Mm-hmm. And it's very, and it's kind of funny because it has like this, like it has a little bit of social commentary, like you said. Like it is very clearly like you could take the bear versus mouse storyline and like adapt it to like you said, like nationalism, racism, whatever. But there's like there was a bear in Noah. Oh yeah, there was a bear in Noah. Oh hey, hey Travis. We're talking about Ernest and Celestine. Did you see that? I didn't. I saw that you did though. Yeah, we're talking about how much I loved it and how much I think it should be like mandatory viewing for every human on dumb? planet Earth. Oh, uh, now. Um, I saw it in French with subtitles, and it, it they do there is a dub. But yeah, I really I'll be looking for the French version. 
but I really like <laughs> the French version. But the did, thing you see a, just, did you get a screener or did you go see it in a theater somewhere? I got a screener from Landmark. So I got a screening to, link. So you're going to uh, a screening link? Yeah, I got a screening link. Oh, okay. I thought you got an actual screen. Don't say so you're going to let me borrow it. But, uh... No, I would have passed it <laughs> around, but I got a screening okay. link. Um, okay. But yeah, the, the last thing that I was just going to say, which was very funny to me, is that like one of the villains in the movie is like this candy shop owner, Bear, who doesn't let his own kid eat the candy, but he has his candy shop on one side of the street, and then across the street, his wife has like the tooth replacement store. So they're oh, like, <laughs> they're, like ble- they're like bleeding these bears dry by like giving them cavities when they're young, and then selling teeth to them when they're older. So I thought that was also a very funny like capitalism is evil <laughs> like slime. <laughs> and it was it was nominated for best for uh, animated film, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah, yeah. It just like a few weeks ago. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, I, yeah. yeah. Definitely want to watch it. Yeah, it's at Landmark. It's adorable. You also, it came out last year. It's technically, then. I mean, yeah. I think it came out last year. year technically, yeah, and it's fine. And so here, it's getting at Landmark. It's the French version. I don't know where they showed the U.S. dubbed version actually, but that version had like. Forrest Whitaker, um, like, voicing Ernest Oof. the Bear. Oh, boy. But, yeah, it bad was, already. Yeah, I have no interest in seeing the, like, all about seeing original, original voices. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm a there's, snob. there's nothing yeah. worse than Japanese films that use American voices. I, oh, I, I, yeah. I, I can't stand them. I, I, my, the, worst, oh. the first one that really pissed me off was the Ninja Scroll American version. Which oh, I, yeah. like, I don't know, man. Like, that was back in the golden age. That's when the dubbing was actually done well. Dub, that's dubbing entirely was, different talk. I, I agree with you that dubbing was better back then, but it still never sounded right to me compared mm-hmm. to the Japanese version. Maybe it's because my first exposure <laughs> to that film was the Japanese version, but mm-hmm. I, every yeah. time I watched the American version, I was like, I can't sit through this. It just doesn't yeah. sound right, you know. And I, and I still feel that way today. If I ever Speaking see the of, Japanese version, the American of version, shitting all of does great ones, childhood does really good ones. Do we want to talk about the TMNT tra- trailer? The what trailer? The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles trailer. Go Ninja, go Ninja, go. Oh, what, what, are go, go. Huh? What, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Can we talk about what? that after? Can we talk about hey, that after? What do you mean? That, oh, man, they had an episode on two weeks ago. It was on Nickelodeon. We, it was an hour long. They fought like a worm. And they met 87 Ninja Turtles. It was amazing. Can we talk about that after we talk about Cesar Chavez, please? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cesar Chavez, too, right? I did. I did. Travis, can I'm you talk about, about Nickelodeon it? Turtles all the time? Talk so much. Can you? Okay. So yeah. So you and I, you and I talk, touched on this briefly, uh, mm-hmm. Rocky, about Cesar Chavez, which is directed by Diego Luna. It's his second film that he directed, uh, feature film anyway. Um, it stars Michael Pena, who I absolutely love. I think he's a great underrated actor. Um, and Cesar Chavez, you know, seriously major figure in in uh, in the labor movement. Uh, obviously, everybody knows that, but. The film, kind of the same way I feel about Mandela, mm-hmm. you know, is not big enough to encapsulate his life. And they they make a really huge mistake by starting this film where he's when he's already an established activist. I think oh. that is just like a, a terrible mistake that they made because they don't go into what makes Cesar Chavez tick. No. I mean, those are those, those are the fundamental issues I had with it. Acting-wise, I had no issues. But mm-hmm. in terms of structure, I was just like, no way, man, no way. Yeah, the structure the structure is really bad because it starts so late in his life. 
Yeah. Um, so it doesn't feel like you, you know, there's a, there's a voiceover kind of in the beginning, which is like mm-hmm. for the first five minutes or so, which is talking about how like when his family lost everything and came to the U.S. and became farm workers and he saw like how tough it was. But there's a part of me that's just like, okay, so you've just like whittled down. That, what, that like, would have been a very interesting first, part to see. First, <laughs> like, you whittled down like the first 35 years of his life into like five sentences. Like that was yeah. that was very bizarre to me. And then I agree with you. Like it starts with him already being an established activist, with him already having made the decision that farm workers need to unionize. Like all the how that like all, like why he got there is like completely absent. So right. you know the we, film. We really film. needed to see why these people would put their faith in him. I mean, because yeah. he's he kind of just shows up out of nowhere and is just like, yeah. okay, we're. We're, I'm here and things are going to change, but why should they follow this guy? What, what has yeah. he done? What, what do they know about him? And, you know, we don't get to see any of that. Yeah. So that's like, that's a pretty severe shortcoming. And, and you said that like you didn't have any issues with the acting and, and I mm-hmm. don't necessarily disagree. Like I thought Pena was really good and I thought America Ferrero was actually pretty good as his wife. Right. Um, but, but I, and this might also just be my own oversight from not knowing a lot about like the labor movement in general. But there was a part mm-hmm. of me that was like Rosario Dawson's character. Who is she? Like, mm-hmm. or, or like, or like the generic like white guy bad guys. Like, right? No, so yeah, no. We have something I, more. So, so there was there were parts that I felt like the story was almost too streamlined in that it was just very much like idolizing him as a figure, right. which again, like not not that you like shouldn't idolize him, but ultimately right. he was like a human being, and the movie does not exactly. treat him like a human being. So uh, you're you're exactly right, and and the, the Rosario Dawson thing I compare to uh, sort of the same way I compare Naomi Harris's Will, Winnie Mandela in, in mm-hmm. Mandela which is mm-hmm. Dolores Huerta is also a major figure in the labor rights movement, mm-hmm. uh, also as much as he is. Mm-hmm. And, and, right, and you know, I and, never and really, that. Right, I did not know that. severely underplayed here, the same way yeah. Winnie Mandela was in the other film. And it's just like, okay, you know, yeah, I, I totally agree with you that I still don't think Rosario Dawson was necessarily bad. Just No, unserved. she wasn't bad. No, that's my point. Yeah. She wasn't mm-hmm. bad. None of the acting was yeah. bad necessarily. It's just that there were so many people with not enough to do. And like, and two other things. One thing that I thought was like a little weird was that you do have these like parts of Chavez's personality that come out that aren't explored. Like when he's like really resentful of his wife talking about the other guy that she met in prison. Right. Like he almost comes off like weirdly misogynistic, and then that's right. never that's never like reconciled. And then yeah. the other thing is like, and I talked to you about this. It's like Wes Bentley. I love Wes Bentley. You know how much I love Wes Bentley. He doesn't do anything in this. And he either. doesn't do anything. And it was the same way. It, it, it felt to me in the same way of casting Malkovich, where like John Malkovich plays a bad guy so much, like so you just want him to like stand there and scowl. Like it didn't. <laughs> it just didn't. I don't know. It didn't make sense to me. I guess right. it, just, it felt yeah. very unbalanced. I, I I totally agree with you, and it's sad. I I really kind of had high hopes for this movie since yeah, they first announced it, and this one yeah. just felt. I mean, you, you know that it's not going to have a lot of money or anything like that. Like you know, it's no. going to be a small budget film, but that shouldn't affect the screenplay, you know, and stuff like that. I mean, so I, I agree. This one, this one. But what even happened like with this release strategy, you know, like you didn't see commercials for this movie. Like I didn't see anything for this movie. So it's weird to me too, because whatever, this is going to sound racist. I don't care. But like, 
I feel like there have been some like Hispanic centered movies that have come out in the past few years that have done really well, like niche wise. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. there was that one that like we didn't even know about that made like a bunch of money last fall. Yeah, yeah, there's been a couple about? of them lately. Uh, yeah. I can't forget her names, but yeah, you're yeah. right. There have been a couple of them lately. Right, so there's a part of me that's kind of like, was it marketed for that audience? And I'm just yes. so clearly yes. not that audience yes. that I know it. I okay, think it but probably yeah. was, but I, and I'll be very interested in seeing what it actually does. I don't think week. it's even placing at, in at, the top ten. I don't think. At, as I say that, as the the box office just comes up, uh, Cesar Chavez, uh, three million dollars uh, first yeah. week, which which in only six. Uh, uh, six hundred sixty-four theaters, so that's not terrible. That's it. Yeah, theaters, yeah. So that's not terrible. It's number twelve at the box office. Not not too bad. I think okay. the budget's probably somewhere around ten million dollars, so it'll probably struggle to make that back at least yeah. domestically. But um, Hispanic-centric you know. movies, I just uh, they don't. I guess we're not a place yet in Hollywood where we we put those on the same release level or even the same marketing level. They're still very specifically marketed. Um, you know, to that community and, and pretty much only to it, which is kind of sad because there's a lot of good stuff coming out of there um, that a lot everybody should see. But I, I guess we're just not there yet, maybe. I, I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, um, is there a Spanish version going to be released? Is there like a, a Spanish there, half audio of it's like version? Spanish. Yeah. I mean, half it's, of oh, it. it's going to make that money in other countries then. Yeah, it, 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 it very well might. Um, before we move on to the Teen Spirit stores real quick. Uh, would anybody like to know what, uh, which film had the highest per site average of the entire block box office uh, rankings? I know, okay. and I like it. <laughs> it is The Raid 2, of course. Uh, How? 20, it should be. Only opened in seven, th- seven theaters. Uh, seven I sites. see that. Holy shit. Uh, $25,286. Jesus. Per site average. Uh, $177,000 <laughs> total. So uh, That's a lot of ass kicking. Yeah, yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what it's good for good for good. What is Bacon for co- strangers? I've been seeing commercials for it like a lot over the last like two days. So I, I, oh, yeah. I didn't expect I would see any commercials for the raid too because I didn't see a single commercial for the raid redemption when it was out last time. Mm. No. So and and I was surprised to see commercials for the raid too. I was very happy about that. Awesome. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what the raid did box office wise, but I think it's definitely one of those movies that that took off um, in DVD and especially now that it's, it's on stars oh, yeah. all the time and whatnot. Uh, and I think, you know, it, it, it left over the hurdle of, of uh, subtitles, which four you know, we million about dollars. Yeah. Four so million not dollars. good, but I, I think it, it's got enough traction now and it's got enough good news coming out of Sundance that, uh, that they're, they're starting to smart enough to realize that people will go see this movie. So, TMNT. Right. The only question I have about it is: Was I mistaken at the end of that trailer when Michelangelo did his funny little thing? Did he have Shrek ears? Did I see Shrek ears? Oh, I didn't no, even notice. Has, I don't. I don't think he, he has Shrek they, ears. They don't have ears. They don't have ears at all. No, they do have noses and lips. I don't. I don't even. I mean, we all know what I think because I don't like anything. So, <laughs> does someone, does someone who actually liked it, what, does, did anybody like I it? I don't have any real serious issues with it right now. Okay. I, I, I don't. Okay. I want to see a fuller trailer before I make a hard judgment. This is really sort of a. I, I, but in terms of how they look, I don't have an issue with that. To me, they don't look all that much different than the 1990 <laughs> film. I mean, right. not really. Not, not in terms of like, really? design. I, I don't think so. No, I don't. And in terms of tone... The I mean, lips? I, I they didn't really have lips, the lips, really. No. They got lips, dog. 
I mean, I think, I mean, yes, the design, the design is problematic. Like people could like it or dislike it. My greater issue, I have two of them. Mm -hmm. One is the issue that I always say, which is, did they really just make Shredder a white guy? Yeah. Oh yeah. You didn't know it was William Fickner? did, but seeing it, like, in real life made me, made me really angry. <laughs> like, seeing it in yeah. real life made me, like, viscerally angry. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm It just does. Like, I just, I don't understand. Like, they're ninjas. They're ninjas because of Japan. I just, it just really, I, I have, like, a lot of, and, and the other thing is, like, so, because they scrapped the alien angle, what is have they like divulged what the story is now? Because the trailer makes it seem like White Shredder Eric, which is also like the worst name. Like, come on, does he like? Is he telling April that he like created them? Yeah, that's what and, it and her like. father. It, it sounds like it sounds like the, the the their origin is going to be very similar to like the Spider Man origin, which is going to be a corporation probably was experimenting, trying to do something, make soldiers of some sort, something. And this is what they got. They ended up with something like this, which honestly, as 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 kind of whack as that seems to me, it ain't that much different than the mutagen because the mutagen came from a corporation, you know, yeah. in the original. So I mean, so it doesn't bother me. From space though, came from space with yeah. the dummy corporation. Okay, I don't know. So, I this is, I, I, that doesn't bother. But me this so is much. again until one I of the things. In, until I see it in full. But this is like, but this is the Walking Dead argument that you and I have like every time that I am stupid enough to want to talk about the Walking Dead is like, why, like, why change it? And you're going to make the argument why not change it. So I mean, what's even the point of us? Honestly, in terms of the turtles, I don't understand why you change it, except for the fact that they wanted. I don't know. I don't know, man. Honestly, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know why you change it. You don't have to in this case, but. I, I mean, I, they, they they must feel some kind of uh, com, that they need to have a compelling reason to remake it, and I mean that's that's kind of besides the point. You don't really need to change anything. I I mean, I get their line of thinking that there's no point in remaking it if you're not going to change it, but there is a point because you have better technology and a, a new audience for it. But you know, White Shredder, that's that's pretty dumb, uh, especially considering that it's not like they they completely whitewashed him. They just made him a white guy that's really into Japanese culture, apparently from the trailer. Which is but, almost more race. Which is almost like extra race. Yeah. Like that's. I, I mean, like, I get that, but I mean, as, as are there far no, as like, are, like Asian actors? There are Asian actors. Everyone on Facebook, Adam and I talked about this. Ken Watanabe. Ken Watanabe. He exists. He's a real ass person. He could play Shredder. Why? Why would you not do that? Why? Why not? Why? The only yeah, reason the only reason I was never upset about William Fickner playing Shredder is because I love William Fickner as a villain. That's the yeah. only reason why, and that's the only reason why I wouldn't complain. If it was anybody else, I probably would have complained. I love William Fickner as a bad guy. So you're the ra- you're the reason that racism exists. It's You're the reason. Okay. Okay. I like, <laughs> can't have nice things anymore. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm no. Like, what's wrong with having Oroku Saki? Where's Umato Yoshi at? I don't, I we don't know well, that any of these characters aren't going to be there in some fashion, so I don't know. Yeah. But they're all going to be white. They're all going like to be white. They're all going to be named like white accountant names, like Eric and Brad. <laughs> <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Jesus Christ! Your selling point of the movie is Vernon from the cartoon. For real, though. Well, we also, know there's, the point is because, also like, there's no Casey Jones, right? There's no Casey Jones. I don't think there's a Casey Jones. He's not a villain anyway, but. 
No, I don't think there's a Casey Jones yet, but I think we know if, if they do more, they'll probably yeah, be a, they'll probably be a Casey well, Jones. I mean, what Travis said at the beginning is like pretty much holds up what we got right now. I mean, we we need a fuller trailer before we make any real judgments. Uh, not that we're <laughs> valid, but uh, <laughs> no, Julian does fuller trailer. But I don't. No, I know Julian doesn't even need a trailer. Julian doesn't need a poster. I'm forgetting that Whoopi Goldberg is in this movie too, as somebody. Whoopi Goldberg is in the movie too. Yeah, she was. She already looks like Splinter, but no, she's not Splinter. <laughs> uh, she's somebody else. I don't know if she's a character who was ever in the comics before. I don't think so, or the cartoon. Uh, but I know that she's in it. I just don't know who as who. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, no. I care. I care very little. Extremely little. Is there anything? <laughs> was, was there any? Was, was there any other news that came out besides Magic Mike XXL? How is, excited are you about that? By the so way, because I haven't talked to you about know. that yet. You don't even know how excited I am. Like a weird amount of excited. There's a lot. There's a ton of great trailers out on PunchDrunkCritics.com. You guys can go check those out anytime. Uh, the X-Men da- uh, the Days of Future Past. Yeah, that's great. There's a new Days of Future Past trailer. Yeah. And, and pretty heavy spoilers in there um, if, if you watch yeah. it. Um, Is it? Is yeah, there well, there's... there's there's one surrounding the person that there's been some controversy about their time in the movie. Uh, there's a pretty solid spoiler right there. Uh, but I mean, again, oh, the, oh, oh no, I am. Oh, rogue. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Storm. You don't know. I mean, Storm. the thing is, the thing is, Storm. in the comic books, I mean, one of the most famous she, panels in the what? comic books or covers is all the uh, characters' posters on the wall saying "slain, slain, slain." The whole point of the movie is that they're in the future. To die. Right, right, right. So I mean, what it doesn't, it doesn't really hold much water. Oh, it's, it's a spoiler. People don't know it. It's not but, a direct adaptation of the original story, Julian. It's not right. going to follow the same comic storyline. It's just not. You don't need to. What you about know, the 18,000 cartoon stories? People know this show by now. They can't you guys should probably fight about it. You die exactly the same way they were written in the comic. I don't care about exactly. I'm just saying, why is that a surprise? Why is that a spoiler? It's not a spoiler. It's not a spoiler just because we don't know that she actually does die in that scene they show anyway. So we don't know that. But so people are and, 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 the story, and the story about her being her her time being cut short was debunked. So it doesn't matter anyway. Can we not fight about it, guys? Not no, right. I'm just confused. I'm trying to clear it up. Okay. We're, we're dropping. It feels like there's been like a lot of fighting, like a lot of fighting. fighting. But yeah, all those all those trailers and more on punchrunkcritics.com. You guys can check all that out. Um, next week we have uh, what is shaping up to be an amazing week. I know Travis saw Captain America already. Um, I, I I almost shouldn't have seen it before we talked about this week's movie because I couldn't even concentrate on this week's movies fully, knowing that that we're talking about Cap next week. I am an unabashed Cap fan. We know that, but. It's it's going to be a fun show, so just tune in for it um, to check that out. Is there anything else you guys want to cover? Stay um, all the way through the credits. Stay yes. all the way through. Jesus, all those people that <laughs> left after the first after the first credit sequence. I just want, I was just like, are you kidding me? You guys are going to walk out now, and they missed the second one. So just stay. I mean, yeah. Well, there's Captain America honest. next week, and then also Island of Lemurs, Madagascar. So. Mm-hmm. That's no. a big what? deal. No. What is that? No, no, no. Next, next week is Captain America deal. and the Raid 2. Huge deal. Madagascar. I mean, you don't want to talk about lemurs? I don't understand. You mean, it's not the CG movie, is it? It's, it's, no, it's like some nature it's movie. It's like a nature movie. What? You mean I got to see real animals in Madagascar? I want you to see that. Yeah. Right. There is, there is, there Are is you actually spoiler. going to the screening of that, Rocky? I have a screener of it. Oh, really? I have okay. a DVD screener. I have two, actually. 
Yeah. Wait, is no one here excited for the gem movie that we're gonna get? That's the one. The gem movie's gonna come out. Sorry, oh, right. like one spoiler I have to give out for Captain America, and uh, Andraki's going to hate me for this. Um, Don't do but it. That spoiler do is it. simply that do Scarlett Johansson do looks great in a leather outfit from all angles, really, but one in particular. Uh, so just look out why for that. Is this, like, why is this news? <laughs> like, we've seen her in that outfit before. I know, but it's, just, it's, 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 like, uh, it's all new every time I see it. Like, there's some great angles <laughs> of... The real yes. thing. All new. It's gonna be it's gonna be all new because the baby's growing in there. So can you like cool your jets, please? <laughs> My God. It's not growing in that movie. It's growing in the next movie. So I I, I always I'm a, a look at it and I'm a like it. I keep imagining that in the Avengers two they'll have her like standing behind desks like they did to Julia Louis Dreyfus in Seinfeld that when she was pregnant yeah. and she was behind stuff all the time. There's like yeah. right. I don't remember. Well, I think a... it was I think it was Sex in the City. It was something where like when somebody was pregnant on a show they just gave them huge purses. It's like that became like a trend for the yeah. show was having like a huge purse. Yeah. Yeah. So. Just give, they'll just give her a really big gun to walk around with. Haven't, but they've moved up the schedule, right? Like, yeah, they moved up filming right now. Yeah, they moved up the yeah. so she can get in and but get out. We will say right now that if you haven't seen the movie by Sunday, you may want to catch the show in podcast form because there will be... I mean, again, none of it's really spoilers because it's all out there in the comic form, but that doesn't really... I'm not expecting people to go out and read all the comics. So just know that if you listen to the show, we're going to be talking in-depth about everything that happens. So definitely listen to it, but make sure you see it first and then uh, listen to it in podcast form if, uh, if you have to after we, we air... Let's just put that out there. Yep. Public yep. service announcement, number 134. Um, all right. So I guess we're all good. If nobody has, has anything else, um, let's wrap it up. And we'll see you next week with a huge week of Captain America, the Winter Soldier, and the Raid 2 Baron Doll. Wait, so, and, 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 and Game of Thrones. And we're going to talk about Game of Thrones. Oh, and, and Game of Thrones and also Madagascar lemurs. Uh, that's yeah, going to be the main go. focus. So <laughs> tune in yeah. for that. All right. We'll see you guys later. Okay. Thanks for tuning bye, in. Bye, 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 bye. Later, later. And as always, I forget to get the show closed ready. Sorry. There we go. We came, we saw, we kicked his ass. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. I'm not great at farewell, so, uh. That'll do, pig. That's the worst goodbye I've ever heard. And you stole it from a movie. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.